Welcome to the Arts vs. the Virus, a limited series podcast where we interview members of the arts world to find out how the coronavirus pandemic and associated lockdowns have affected them and their work. The podcast is presented by magician Ash Price and produced by Teresa Dua through Noisy Ghost Entertainment. Hello and welcome. Today we are talking with Des O'Gorman, who is a host, a performer, comedian, uh, and general all-round good guy. Des, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Ash. Thanks for the, the very lovely little intro. I've never actually been described as a nice guy. So well, that's... You, yeah, you specifically asked me not to describe you as a bastard, so... Well, I did. I did. I kind of wish you hadn't, you know, brought that up, because now it seems that that uh, compliment was, was, was forced. So... You, know, you you can edit that out though, right? Fine, I am a nice guy. Okay, gee, I'll have to take it now. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so um, for those of listeners who haven't heard of you and don't know who Des O'Gorman is, would you tell them what it is you do within the arts and the creative world? And what is a stage host, for example? Uh, well, that's a pretty good question. I Most people, I suppose, have heard of the actors and the comedians and so on and so forth. Uh, they very rarely think of the people who ask the questions at like panels and things like they probably would think of that as um, as as people on like the television and so on and so forth. But for me, uh, my stage hosting was for conventions. I was the guy that would host panels at conventions. I would ask the guest questions. I would take questions from the audience and generally keep everything kind of flowing as smoothly as humanly possible and just have a a bit of banter as it were and uh it's been a while since i've probably done it on on stage in like the real life in the good times uh, and oh god do i miss it yeah yeah um yeah i think that's primarily what most people would know me for would be the stage hosting at conventions around edinburgh and scotland or the uk uh, I think most other people would know me as being a Ghostbuster, mm-hmm. which I, I would definitely not uh, be angry with that. I mean, if I'm going to be known as a few things, being known as a Ghostbuster, that'd be lovely. That's nice. I'll take that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's primarily what what people would, would know me for, for, for asking questions and making sly comments. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... So let's travel back in time. We're, for those listening now, we're actually recording this on March 23rd, 2021, which is a year to the day that the UK went into its official first lockdown. So I, I want to go back to before that, to the before times, uh, before COVID reared its ugly head in the world. What were your plans? What was your schedule like? What were you looking forward to doing within your particular field? What were you gearing up to? What was your diary like? Wow. Well, th- thanks for opening up a, a really scabbed over wound there. <laughs> let's, let, let's delve into happy times and, and see if we can make each other cry. Uh, <laughs> essentially, I think, uh, I don't think I had anything like majorly planned. I had like a few conventions that I work at or get no around uh, Edinburgh Comic Con. I, I sometimes make an appearance there. Capital Sci-Fi Con, uh, a few others dotted about here and there, but I didn't really have anything planned. And I think the main thing was is that I had like this little 
niche, this little corner of, of the world that I could call my own. And I was comfortable with that. I was really happy with that because it helped allow me to, to kind of scratch that creative itch that I had when I'm not doing acting or the comedy or anything like that. It, it was like that little corner that I'd worked hard for for myself. And then I think it just kind of all went away and then everything turned to crap. It did. Um, <laughs> and I, I, know, I know that one of the things that uh, I'm not sure how involved you were in it, but there was supposed to be, supposed mm-hmm. to be, I think it was June 2020, there was supposed to be the UK's first Ghostbusters convention, wasn't there? There was indeed, yes. Uh, for those of you that don't know, like I mentioned before, I'm a Ghostbuster. Uh, I cosplay as, as a Ghostbuster. Uh, I set up a franchise with uh, a friend of mine, Kieran McFarland. We set up the Ghostbusters of Scotland. It was like a fan uh, franchise where we would go around to conventions as Ghostbusters. We would make raise money for charity and from us. The Ghostbusters of Glasgow, the Ghostbusters of Aberdeen, the kind of sprang out. And we all decided to collaborate together. And you're 100% right, Ash. Last year was supposed to be the UK's first Ghostbusters fan convention called EctoCon 2020. <laughs> the good old days. Uh, and it's still going ahead. Once, once we have dates confirmed and things ease up, knock on wood, uh, we'll have the guests. There, and I was there as the stage host. I would be hosting the panels throughout the day and then at the evening do in between me getting some food and getting incredibly drunk, I would be doing my Ghostbusters uh, one-man show, uh, still ready to believe you. I would be doing my tribute to Ghostbusters in front of Ghostbuster fans. And back then I was thinking, wow, I don't know if I'll be able to do a Ghostbusters uh, show in front of Ghostbuster fans because they probably already know all the stories that I'm going to tell and that has now been replaced with dear god I really wish I could be on stage and tell the same tired jokes to the same people who know them I would love the human interaction of somebody booing me off stage that would be <laughs> lovely right now you know <laughs> yeah yeah right now I would take a disappointed audience member <laughs> just the one Ash just the one I don't get just many. the you know, just one, <laughs> what one disappointed audience member and a sea of accolation. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, exactly. It's just it's the one audience member who just doesn't get it. You know, <laughs> the, a lot. Uh, you probably know this as well. Ash. There's um, a comedian, um, uh, Demo Clark, who used to do like com- uh, comics on Facebook, and he did this one panel, and it was perfect. The top panel was like a sea of laughing audience. And uh, the top of the panel read what people think an, a comedian sees. And then at the bottom, it has the audience completely blacked out and it zooms in on one person who's not laughing. And then it just says what a comedian actually does see. Yeah, I, I think that's quite common in the arts, yeah. especially you you focus in on the negative. I was I was talking to um, Teresa, who we mentioned briefly earlier. She edits this this podcast. She's uh, lovely, by the way. She's absolutely lovely and delightful. And I bet she'll edit this bit out. No, I'm sure she'll leave that bit in. Good. Um, <laughs> but we were talking earlier on, and she kind of pointed out to me that, oh, you know, you're quite good at what you do. Um, in a, she said it in a less negative way. <laughs> and instantly, <laughs> instantly in that moment, I instantly went to a couple of the bad pieces of feedback i've had yeah um 
And like we all get it. Everyone does. No matter how long you've been working in the arts, no matter how good your product is, you're going to have off days. You're going to have bad shows. You're going to have shows where you don't do your best for whatever reason. You're going to have shows where the audience just simply doesn't enjoy what you do. Um, and you're going to do shows that are occasionally just bad for whatever reason. Um, you know, these things happen in the arts. They always, always happen for various yep. reasons. And the problem is you kind of focus in on those. Like I've done, I don't know how many thousands of shows. I don't know how many. I don't know how many times people have said they've enjoyed what I do. But I can tell you the amount of times they told me that they don't because I focus in on those and I remember all of those. Yeah. Um, like I, I remember negative reviews from a decade ago but couldn't tell you any of my positive ones. Um. Yeah, that's that's true. We, we are uh, afflicted with a need to entertain and to perform and to tell stories and so on and so forth. But we have this personal hatred that won't allow us to enjoy it for any longer than a second. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's like, it, it's, it's just, it's something that's very common, I think, within the arts. And you speak to artists and people who are performers and, you know, they all kind of have very similar stories of, um of not really feeling that they're very good but still pushing through um yeah because other people tell them they're good but they never believe it but there must we, be, we never must, ever do but there must be that little, some little spark somewhere in the mind that partly believes it because otherwise we probably wouldn't carry on or, or either that or we just really hate ourselves and just choose to get us into a career where people will hate us ridicule us and we don't make a lot of money yeah yeah i think it's that one i think it's that one yeah yeah it's it's like basically it's the clinical depression taking over the mind of the artist and going yeah shit you need to be punished to go and do it um and then then people some people do enjoy it and it just is confusing because it is okay yeah <laughs> um let, let's move on from, yeah, let's, let's, from let's the negativity yes move on to the, from the negativity and back to covid talk um okay. so more negativity I think compared to what we've just been discussing, this is definitely a level up. Fair uh, enough, yeah. The, the next kind of two points I want to talk about are kind of very, very similar. And I apologize if they do sound very, very similar, like they're almost the same question. Um, but first of all, if we go back to maybe February or March itself, what types of changes did you see happening? You know, things like cancellations or fewer audience members at events or, or you know, just out and about maybe what, what were you seeing around you in your world and in your your non-performance world that was kind of going hey something's going on here yeah um it was it was very subtle that's the only thing that i could remember was back then it does seem like a lifetime and a half ago um there was like this background niggling for lack of a better description of something going on and the one thing I really remember more than anything else and in hindsight this this has got to be uh, a bit awkward I remember how flippant everybody was I remember hearing many so and I'll hold my hands up I was exactly the same mm. I I I remember talking to uh somebody um actually i should i should clarify for those uh, my day job is i'm a i'm a support worker i i support people in a non-profit organization to help them with their day-to-day -day activities and to make the most of their lives and i remember talking to somebody and they just 
casually brought up, are you worried about this uh, this virus? And and I remember thinking, well, no, I did because you you don't think of those terms. You don't think that a virus is going to come by and the whole world is going to shut down. You you think it's going to be uh, war or or a mm. big bomb or something big will will disrupt the flow of things. We've we've got a grasp of the world when it comes to to health. Yeah, and I, I think as well, over the past two decades, we've had things like SARS and MERS and Ebola yeah. flying around. And they've kind of just, yeah, they've been really bad in the areas they've happened in, but they've kind of been just not they, a big impact, certainly on on Britain yeah, and a lot yeah. of the Western world. That's very, you know, Anglo-centric, I, I admit. It, it is. I mean, but, there's no there's no point in denying it. When you hear of of these viruses they are through a television screen because they've mm. happened far away and you have that disassociation of well the newsman is telling me this and i must feel sad but as horrible as it sounds there is that that disconnect of mm. it's happening over there it's not happening here it wouldn't mm. happen here why would it happen here so when it did kind of come to fruition nobody was prepared for it and any way, shape, or form. I mean, I, I would love to tell you some some stories, but due to the nature of my work, obviously, I I of can't course. mention anything. But I do I do remember that the first night it actually like fully happened, fully hit home, was a person that I supported had was showing symptoms, and mm. this was like very early days. And we didn't have anything preset written down. So I spent most of my uh, evening finding out as much information as I could and implementing that in that short amount of time to not only keep them safe, but keep everybody else safe around. And I have never been so stressed and scared mm. for three to four hours than I had in that particular situation. Mm. It it's it's not something even now we're just talking about it. It it does seem like something out of a film from the nineteen eighties. You it, don't it, think yeah. the, the, these things will happen. You don't think the Walking Dead is a documentary. But now we have we have gone through the biggest tectonic shift of how people will look at things. Now there there is the time you were born to 2020 and then it's that onwards will be the new normal whatever that's going to be but what's I, th I think what that really reminds me of is this year is also the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and that was i think for a lot of people especially millennials who were very much just coming of age around that time um especially the older millennials like ourselves um that mm -hmm. felt like it was the big generation defining moment and then and then this happened. Yeah, then 20 years later, we have this happening as well. And obviously, yeah. the next generation coming up are also going to maybe have that same type of response that we had to 9-11, but on a greater scale. Mm -hmm. Also, we're kind of, we're still quite young ourselves. So we're we're having this and we've had 9-11. It's just a huge, like, what's going to happen when we're we're in our 50s? Like, oh, no, global warmer, global warmer. Yeah. That's what we've yeah. got next. Cool. Yeah, we we, <laughs> we are going to be living through so many things and we are going to tell so many youngsters forget about trying to tell somebody now that we grew up without the internet 
or our entertainment came on cassettes or VHS, we're going to have to explain how the world went to hell and all we were asked to do was sit indoors. That's, that's something that still doesn't make sense, that a majority of this is all we were asked to do was not go outside. That was the struggle that we had to go through. And we still struggled. And, and for some, we failed miserably in just doing that particular thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been such a weird year. It has. And and yeah, it's it's something that's going to be with us. I, I remember the day after 9-11, my history teacher um, saying in a few years time, I'm going to be teaching this in history class. Well, in a few years time, this is going to be getting taught in history class as well. Um, yeah. So what were your kind of initial reactions about how did you expect it to go on as long as it did did you did you think that the ghostbusters event would have to be postponed or do you think oh no that'll be fine i mean what were your kind of first thoughts my first thoughts was i didn't i had no idea this was going to last as long as it had i thought this was well no my first initial thought was uh fear more than anything else uh what is this what is this going to mean to people what is this going to mean to myself and the the fear of like having to go to the to the shops to get something and you had to mask up and maintain distance and either wear gloves or sanitize your hands those things did they, they scare you at mm. first but it's amazing how quickly people kind of acclimatized to that or they dug their heels in that they were not going to do that. But yeah. let's let us let us not go down that route though. Um, that was my first thought, and then the second was, well, yeah, it was it was kind of like a three part thought structure. Oh, first one was the fear with the masks and everything, and then the second was, um, just do what you're asked to do. It's not that difficult, and then the third third thought was is this going to be a, a weekly thing or fortnightly thing? But then the more the news kind of came in, the more it kind of extended. And I think if I remember right, it was kind of like the initial lockdown and then things were kind of eased up because they had that, uh, uh, that government procedure of going out to restaurants and things where mm. they, they had the incentive. I can't remember. They had like a slogan for it. I can't remember it uh, now. Eat out to help out. That's the one. Thank you. So they had that. So I remember it was like full lockdown, ease, and then immediate full lockdown at Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 the more things went on, the more it kind of became slightly more confused of we're, we're doing, we did really well. Here's the reward. You've messed that up. So now we have to take it away again. Yeah. It, 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 there was a lot of back and forth, and I can understand why people got frustrated and annoyed. Because um, the government was trying its best to ignore the situation. It was trying its best to get back to normality, not realizing that what it had to do was make a really hard decision and say, no, you're not going out in summer. No, you're not going out to restaurants. We're going to have to completely lock down 
for mm-hmm. X amount of time, and then we are going to slowly start to open back up. And I think if they'd have done that, we may have been able to have a better Christmas than many people did. We may have seen yeah. fewer deaths than we've actually seen. Um, and there's been a lot of discussions in these podcasts that um, have ended up quite critical of the government. I, I don't want to kind of turn it into, into that, but... Mm-hmm. We have to acknowledge that when we look around the world, other countries that have got similar population densities, that have got similar population sizes, um, Mm. or even those that don't. We look at different countries around the world that are similar or dissimilar, and so many of them have been able to to get back to some sort of normality. The big obvious one is obviously New Zealand, uh, where they are having huge 40,000 people concerts. And yes, I know population density is different there and all sorts Mm -hmm. of factors come into it. But still, we're only just at the stage where we can sit on a park bench with a friend if it's long enough yeah you know like I, I don't care about population density being it's not that much of a factor when you when it's that big of a difference of what we can and can't do yeah it's it's a, it's a hard thing to try it's that horrible thing of looking at what the, what other people are doing and getting jealous yeah and it's a it's a stupid thing to do but at the same time you can't help but look at it in those terms and i remember um I can't remember if this was a meme or a discussion or something that I saw on Facebook, but they tried to compare this to the film, uh, oh, was it uh, Idiocy? I think it was something like that. It was um, a film in the late 90s where a guy gets cryogenically frozen and gets waking up in the future where the world's been taken over by, for lack of a better term, uh, stupid people. And the president is uh, a former wrestler who still holds on to his persona to rule just because he's got big muscles. And they tried to compare them to that, but it actually is slightly worse than that because in the film, this guy who has mild intelligence but is way more intelligent than anybody else is able to figure things out. And the president relinquishes power to give it to somebody who knows more than he does to, to do a better job. Imagine a society yeah. that listened to people who knew what they were doing. Exactly. I mean, I, I am not a, I don't consider myself a political person. I, uh, for years, I did not care about politics because I was focused on my own little bubble. I have never followed politics more than I have now. And there are some days where I would look at a briefing or look at a news report. And I should stress, I say now, as in, in 2021, I look at a news report now and I see where they're coming from and I think they are doing their best given the situation. Yet from 2016 to 2020, I would look at a news report and I would get so annoyingly frustrated and angry by what was happening and what was being said by certain individuals who I am not going to mention, but you know who I'm talking Mm -hmm. about that they would ignore people who know better just to create a soundbite of them doing the thing that they think people want to hear. Yeah, there's there's that false idea of kind of a false balance of, well, if we've got someone talking about climate change, then we need to get someone who thinks the sun is controlled by bins um, yeah. just to balance it out. <laughs> yeah, it's there, there, when it comes to something like this, there shouldn't be... Uh, here's one side of the argument and here's another side of an argument. It should be, here's a person who has studied most of their life and knows a lot more about this than you. Let's listen to them. Let's not listen to the person who thinks that the 
sun is controlled by bins. Yeah, that's yeah. a that was a pretty apt description. That yeah. one, Ash. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we're now a year into the official lockdown. Um, mm-hmm. Have you been able to do anything creative during that time? Have you been able to do anything on that from that side of your work? If I'm being completely honest with you, no. The main reason, the main reason being, is that it's not that it's not for a lack of wanting to. Mm-hmm. It's not for lack because I still have that itch. Everybody has that itch. I mean, most of my comedian friends they have taken to doing Twitch streams, and they are doing very well for themselves. Most of my actor friends they have found a way to kind of adapt and acclimatize to doing something else, to doing uh, Zoom plays or recording themselves or or podcasts kind of like kind of like this or they're doing something as like a creative outlet and i wanted to do something like that in fact i I still may i'm still mulling over the idea of doing a talking head youtube channel because I, i i want something but over the past year i have found it increasingly difficult to do that mostly because of my day job Mm. and i've got nothing against my day job i love my day job i love the fact that i get to support and help people for uh, a living i love that the only difficult and downside to that is on those days off it's incredibly difficult to switch my brain off from that mindset and over the past year i have found that it's difficult to get that needed respite that needed recovery yeah. To do to do something creative like that. And when you haven't done something for a while, it's difficult to get yourself into that into that mindset again. And so I, I personally have have struggled with that. Uh, I'm hoping things will turn around. I really, I really do. Um, but at the moment it's it's primarily trying to focus on my work and my mental health uh for for the moment yeah that's that's entirely fair um and appreciate the honesty um yeah it's been it has been a really difficult year i found myself seeing a lot of magicians especially Mm -hmm. turning to zoom and things like that and it's kind of feeling a little bit like i'm missing out but also not quite having the energy to do it I, I don't think it's well, it could be a, a mixture of energy but it could just mean the same thing that we were mentioning when you look at the what we were mentioning about the government looking at other countries with the same population and how they did things when i look at the other comedian friends or actor friends and see what they're doing and see how well they're doing it how amazing it is it's kind of hard to get into that my uh, mindset of I could do something like that without immediately comparing yourself mm. to it and thinking, whatever I produce, it's not going to be that. And that's a horrible d- way to think of things. Yeah, I think that kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier on about how we kind of see ourselves as performers and how we see audience feedback and responses. And yeah, um, let's let's imagine now that either COVID didn't happen at all, or mm. as a lot of people erroneously thought it had gone away by last summer what do you think you'd be doing about now oh see that's a tough one because you're thinking in like that that 
parallel universe. Yeah. Kind of what what what's Des doing in Universe Four One Three Seven? Um, I think that if we think in those terms, that would be, for lack of a again a, a lack of a better description, that would be uh, a double sided knife, double edged sword. It, 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 the flip of a dice, things with two sides. Harry Dent. Uh, yes. <laughs> be along those lines. Yeah. The point I'm trying to make is that if we had gone the past year without COVID, things would probably be along the same as they were. People would be going out to restaurants, cinemas, theatre, things that I miss a lot. And the world would just trundle on, as it were. And as difficult as this year has been, and it has been incredibly difficult, the thing that kind of keeps me going more than anything else, well, a couple of things that keep me going more than anything else is, one, nobody will ever 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 take something for granted again the joy of going to a restaurant to seeing a film a live production going to see ash price in the fringe these are the things that people will no longer take for granted and that gives me a lot of joy um the other thing is that as somebody that has that uh, still does battle depression and anxiety throughout all this nobody will dismiss mental health again I which hope you're right i hope so i really really hope so because during the the times before lockdown when you would mention to somebody that you have depression and they would flippantly dismiss it as oh just pick yourself up buck yourself up go for a walk yes and yes. Ash, am I am I allowed to swear on this? Fuck yes. Okay, to those people, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you for dismissing something that has hurt people in such a dismissive way. Would you say? Would you go up to somebody in a wheelchair and just say, "Just go for a walk. It's all in your mind. Just change your mindset." Fuck you. Yeah. And I I like to think that third all this, people will have a slightly better understanding of what it is to go through difficulties where you can't be with the people that you love, that you can't see your mates for a pint, that you can't see your family, and that you don't have the energy to go out and be productive. I hope people will understand that. And as those people don't understand it, fuck you from the bottom of my heart. That's very fair. Um, so kind of looking at positive things. Please. Um, <laughs> There have been some good things to come out of lockdown. Um, on a more general sense, it's shown that we can accommodate people who need to work from home because there's a lot mm -hmm. of people who will, for health reasons, benefit from working at home. In the arts world, we've seen a lot of innovation. Um, we've seen a lot of work going online um, mm -hmm. and a lot of creativity surrounding that. Um, is there anything that's happened during lockdown, anything that's come along during lockdown that you'd be happy to see continue afterwards hmm. there's been yeah everybody tends to focus on like the 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 negative of everything that's going like we've mentioned the places closing not going out not seeing friends for the majority from what i have seen people are a bit more open when it comes to talking about how they're doing how they're feeling and from what i've seen a vast more majority of people 
are just being more more pleasant and receptive to people when it when it comes around there have been small occasions where i have seen uh angry confused scared people trying to do simple things and getting tired and frustrated and shouting at people but for the majority uh, that camaraderie or that friendliness has kind of shone a, a wee bit more and i'd love to see that continue i don't want to see the world kind of go back to the way it uh, the way it was i do remember when when everything first started uh the the recovery of nature kind mm. of happened uh people experience things a lot more this may sound stupid but it's the truth going outside where there is less cars going by and less planes going by you got to hear birds you got to see the bees you got to experience nature as kind of how i experienced it growing up in a small village back in ireland that that little thing makes a big difference and i think i remember uh, a news article of because the shipping lanes had kind of cleared up, the seas had kind of cleared up and people were starting to see more of the ocean. That's an amazing thing. I'd love to see more of that. But then mm. again, human nature means that once all this blows over, everything's going to go back to cars and planes and boats and all that stuff. I'd, lo I'd love to see nature be a bit more in the forefront of people's thinking. Yeah, especially because... There's no getting away from the issue of global warming, of climate change. There's not. There's, and there's not. if we've hated this past year, then people are really going to hate it when there are restrictions and controls in place. Because yeah. when, lock, when, when that hits, when climate change hits, there's going to be all sorts of issues that mean we can't carry on our lives as normal. And yeah. I mean, I, I, hate, I hate to kind of see it as the world getting worse and worse every few decades. Um, and I hope we do learn from this and I hope we do progress from this. Um, so yeah, I, I can, I can get on board with that. Um, so we, we are now, we've got a roadmap out of lockdown. I mean, I say roadmap, um, it's more of a squiggly line. It's, uh, it's vague, it's, yeah. It's vague directions from the town drunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but what, when do you see, first of all, when do you see, restrictions lifting enough so that we can actually maybe go back and do do shows and when do you see us getting to a stage where we're just kind of normal again for answer one or question one i should say my answer would be i would want things to open up when we're ready for them to open up i don't want to put a deadline or a date or something on that because as we've learned from previous experiences you open up too early people abuse that and then it affects us in the long run i would want this to open i want everything to kind of open up when we're ready for it to open up uh for this for the second one uh for the second question um i don't think we're going to return to previous normality mm -hmm. i think previous normality is kind of gone right i think that i think that's a way that i mean don't get me wrong i hope i'm wrong but at the same time i kind of hope that this experience has led to people being a bit more careful when it comes to going somewhere doing something 
it makes them a bit more careful when it comes to the choices that they make. And I kind of hope that continues as long as I can still have a semi-decent life, that I can go for a pint or a nice meal with my wife or with my friends. If that can happen, that would be great. But just don't abuse it. Essentially, just don't. You have these freedoms in place, and that's great. Just don't abuse it for the rest of us, essentially. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, so, Des, just before we go, could you tell mm -hmm. us where people can find out about you online or any of the projects you're involved in? Uh, I used to be on Twitter, but then I got angry and frustrated at, one, the lack of letters that I can use, and two... <laughs> Uh, self-centered celebrities and 12-year-old prepubescent dickhead shouting at me. So I'm no longer on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I am on Instagram uh, at Des O'Gorman. Uh, I'm on Facebook uh, Des uh, uh, Facebook.com forward slash Des Con host. Uh, as you can imagine over the past year, haven't really uploaded a lot. Yeah. Sorry about that. You know, not a lot going on. Uh, like, like I mentioned previously, I'm, uh, if I can find the time, find the motivation, find the energy, and for lack of a better description on how to do it, if I can pull my finger out, uh, I will hopefully make a start on this YouTube channel to give me that needed creative outlet. So hopefully people can find me that way. Um, yeah, that's more or less where you're going to find me. Fair enough. Well. Des, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you take care. Thank you, Ash. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Arts vs. The Virus. Your host was Ash Price. The podcast was produced by Teresa Dua through Noisy Ghost Entertainment. Find The Arts vs. The Virus on Facebook. The music used was What Is Love by Kevin McLeod from Music dot io forward slash song forward slash five o one five hyphen what hyphen is hyphen love used under a creative common license